You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by, in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, as you pull us to yourself this morning through the gospel announcement, we also would ask that you gift us the assurance that you have promised to us through your Son. That we would be reminded that you are a good and gracious Father who has worked all things for our salvation and also for your glory, for our good. Even this morning, as your good word is heard evil will try to steal away the joy of your good gifts. Remind us that we are not alone in this battle, that you are present with us through your Spirit, that we have placed your, that you have placed your word um, here for us, that you've given us prayer and that you've given us brothers and sisters into our hands so that we can stand firm while you wage the war on our behalf. Thank You for the promise of unending life with You. Thank You for the salvation that has united all of us as one in the life of Your one and only Son. Thank You for His death, which we also share in, so that we are no longer subject to the law and sin, which leads only to death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This might sound familiar, and that's good. No one has ever been made right and righteous before God by obeying the law. And no one ever will be. You are justified only by the person and work of Jesus. Said another way, no one has ever been made righteous before God by trusting in Jesus and obeying the law. You are only justified by having faith in Jesus. Once again, that is a repeat from last week. Let's let it sink in again though. Never by works of the law and never by Jesus plus works of the law. Paul says it another way in Romans chapter 3, verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Every person who has ever lived 
If they have been declared righteous by God, it is only because of the work of Jesus on the cross. This is the bold claim that we started last week with. And I want to echo it this week because Paul echoes it this week for us. It is the singular argument that Paul is making throughout this letter. It is the one statement that we should read the rest of this letter through. So that statement should be like a pair of glasses that we're reading the book of Galatians through. Through every twist and turn, that big idea should be our guide. Every argument that Paul makes, every encouragement that he gives, and every perplexing way, confusing way that Paul chooses to say something, that's our guide. This letter, uh, this week, however, Paul is making the same argument, except for I think he's using some of that confusing language that I just mentioned. (laughs) Paul today is arguing with the false teachers who have come to spy out what true Christian freedom looks like. But he's acting out both sides of the argument in this letter, in in these verses. So it kind of sounds like a man losing his mind. Is he jumping from one idea to the next? No, he's, he's pushing back against something. He's refuting an argument. He's proving his case. In some ways, I suppose that he might be trying to lose his mind, actually. Why? Because this one false teaching is one of the most persistent and stubborn lie, lies given and fed to Christians everywhere that you turn. What is that lie? It is that with Jesus' help, I might be able to save myself. And this letter to the Galatians wants to put that argument in the grave with the old Adam sinner. And in killing this argument, Paul, what I mean by using confusing language is that he's going to use two words kind of interchangeably. That is, two words that sound very different, and when we first hear them, we think that they're nothing alike, and yet he seems to mix them one for the other. And those two words this week are sin and law. Sin and law. Which is very confusing. Because if we were to go back to Romans chapter 7, Paul says this, What shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means, Paul says. But he continues from Romans chapter 7, verse 7, on through verse 12 to say this, that is the law sin? No. But without the law, I never would have known what sin was. Well, the argument that Paul is making is that we need the law of God. Look, is it a good guide for life? Yes. But that is not about your salvation. That's not what Paul is arguing about. Is it a mirror that we can hold up to ourselves and say, whoa, I'm way off? Yes, but that's not about your salvation necessarily. The argument that Paul is making here in the book of Galatians 
very strictly is how does one get justified or made right and righteous before God? Paul will talk about sanctification, as we call it, or or, or growing in Christian maturity, uh, having a better awareness of your sin and the places that you need to repent in life. He'll get to that. But that's not where he's at right now. He's speaking very strictly about how you are saved, how you are made right before God. So when it comes to the law, in this way, Paul wants to make it very clear that the law is sin and death as it relates to you being made right and righteous before God. Paul uses other language to describe the law, which sounds more in line with what it is that we're talking about here. Uh, For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, he says that the law is the minister of death. And that Moses himself was a minister of death by being given the law. Now, don't misunderstand me. Paul says, does this mean that the law is sin? No. The law is good. Let's think about some of the ways that the law is good. Um, Paul says, look, if it hadn't been for the law, I wouldn't know how to live and to act. Right? We know this. That we can look to the law to say, okay, this is a good way to live. This is something that God likes. This is something that pleases God. But pleasing God through obeying the law has nothing to do with your salvation. Not with being made right and righteous by the blood of Jesus. So the law is good for some things. In fact, Christian, you need the law. When we talk about marriage, until we get to the forgiveness bit, most of it is law. Because I hate to say it, Men and women out there that are married, you're selfish. You're selfish. And you need to be reminded that God has gifted someone to you to love and to care for. And and to be that person who speaks the good news of Jesus to them each and every day. What this means is that, you know what, there are going to be days when you don't want to be a good husband. You don't want to be a good father. You don't want to be a good roommate. You don't want to be a good friend. And that's where the law of God steps in and says, hey, have you ever considered this, right? Have you ever considered this to be a good friend? Have you ever considered this to be a good husband? But nowhere does it say, if you do this as a good husband, then surely you will be saved. You will have pleased God enough to make yourself right with Him. Which is why we looked at last week, God, the Holy Spirit, works through God's Word to give you repentance and faith. God, the Holy Spirit, applies to you the blood of Jesus so that you will be made right and righteous wearing the robes of Christ in front of the Father. And God, the Holy Spirit, even lays out for you good works to walk in on a daily basis. God is doing all of the work. If you ever have a question, you know what a verb is? It's a doing word. 
If you're speaking rightly about your relationship to God, you should ask the question, who's running the verbs? Is it me? Or is it God? And if the answer is, I'm running the verbs because I'm doing this, and I've done this, and I've done this, then you've made a serious mistake. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to point us to. That's exactly what these false teachers have done. They said, okay, great, you've believed in Jesus. Now, why don't you try a little bit of death? You've got new life. You've got perfect spotless righteousness from Jesus. Why don't you add a little bit of sin to it? This is what the false teachers are leading us to. Also, if we were to go back a far piece in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26, we read this. Cursed is anyone who does not, who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. What law are we talking about there in Deuteronomy? All of the law. Cursed is the one that doesn't do all of this. Christian, Paul's going to make this argument for us today, but if you are in some way thinking that you can do some of the law and be okay, if you can look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, yeah, you know what? I, th- I think I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing all right. I think that I'm doing all right enough that I don't really need the things of God. I don't think I really need a church, uh, fellow church members to encourage me and lift me up and tell me what to do. Um, I don't really think that I need to love my family in the way that God has told me to love my family or my roommates or my friends or my co-workers today. I think I'm a pretty good person. I think I'll be good enough. Let me tell you, when it comes to your salvation, you are not good enough. And that is good news. Because if you're going to then work to be good enough, you're always going to fall flat on your face because cursed is the one who does not go by, live by, adhere to all of the law. Verse 17, I'll read it again. But if in our endeavor, now this is, for me, this is funny words that Paul's using. Endeavor, when I think about an endeavor, I'm thinking about you're packing up, you're going to go on a long trip, you're trekking across country, I don't know what the story is, but this is going to be a hard work, right? But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, (laughs) see what we have here is Paul being a little bit cheeky. He's being a little bit cheeky. Why? Because this whole time he's been talking about you are not saved by works. And then he uses a word related to works to talk about faith in Christ. It's kind of like saying, oh, you really want to be saved? Why don't you endeavor to do this? Have faith in Christ. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Now, this passage could be read in two different ways. And both of them are good ways to read them. In fact, I think we should read this verse in two different ways. One way is to say, look, if I'm going to be working hard to be justified by Christ, then I'm going to be found to be a sinner. 
But also, if I'm going to be justified by Christ, you know what's also not going to happen? I'm not going to be a perfect person who never sins. You will be found a sinner. (laughs) Paul's saying here, one way or another, you will be found a sinner. Whether your faith is in Christ or your faith is in your own works. But one of them can be saving. And that is in Christ. Okay, so let's keep reading. But if our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. All right, he's going to continue this argument, and we're going to see it worked into works of the law. But but let's read it one of these ways here, and that is to say, um, is Christ a servant of sin if you, Christian, sin despite the fact that you carry Jesus' name? Certainly not. Your actions do not affect Jesus' righteousness and the righteousness that He has given to you. But let's keep reading verse 18 to see it the other way. For if I rebuild what I tore down, what's Paul talking about? The law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, He says in Matthew chapter 5, but to fulfill it. So there's two ways of getting rid of the law. To say, I don't need that, which doesn't work because it still condemns you. Or to say, Jesus did that. He fulfilled it. He filled up all the law. He did it right. He did it perfectly. He completed it. And then He put that on me. He lived a totally righteous life according to the law. And now that totally righteous life is mine. But Paul says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Look, he's saying to the church in Galatia, listen to me. If you think that by adding the law back in, you're going to be an even better version of a Christian, like Christian 2.0, you're wrong. What you're going to do is you're going to confirm the one thing that you're trying to say that you aren't, a sinner. You're going to make true the fact that you are ignoring Christ. You're pushing Him off to the side. And in fact, you're the worst kind of sinner because you're denying the death of Christ for you and saying, I can do this myself. Jesus, get out the way. For through the law, I died. Paul says, look, you're a transgressor. The law kills you. The law has to have killed you for you to truly understand the good news. It does. You've got to go into, I guess like Paul uh, would tell us elsewhere, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was blameless according to the law. Sure you were, Paul. Right? Right? Sure you were. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. What Paul is saying here is, is this. Like, the law... I applied it to myself so heavily that there was no choice but to die under the weight of it. But in dying under the weight of it, you know what I saw on the other side? The blameless life of Christ for me. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Now, Paul's going to jump right back in here and he's going to say, wait wait a second, I'm afraid that you misunderstood me. Okay, One of my favorite TV shows, there's this guy... And he goes into a, a restaurant, 
And uh, he's had a stressful day, and he goes to the guy that's standing behind the counter, and he says, I need you to bring me all the bacon and eggs. And the waiter walks away, and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, I'm afraid that you misunderstood me. I think what you heard me say was, I want a lot of bacon and eggs. I want all the bacon and eggs. Okay, all right? <laughs> and I love this. Sorry, this is the only thing that came to my mind this week when I was reading this. Because Paul here is saying, I, if I rebuild what I tore down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died so that I might live. And Paul's saying, wait a second, wait a second. I'm afraid that you misunderstood me. Because all this time I've been talking about Jesus, and I've just used the word I a lot. Don't be confused. Who, what is this life that he's now living? Who is the I that he is talking about? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Whose life is Paul now living? Look, Paul died. The law killed him. The law killed him. The only way that he is standing and alive right now is because of Christ Jesus. The only way you can be lifted up out of the waters of baptism <laughs> is for Christ to be your life. Now, you might have heard me say just now, now go and live a perfect life. You misunderstood. I want all the bacon and eggs. Okay? No, Christ has given you His life. He's given you His life. He loved you, and He gave Himself up for you. And then this is where Paul punches us in the face. I... Because remember now, Paul's making an argument against false teachers. These false teachers are saying, if you do this, and then you will be truly saved. And Paul is saying, you say this, I say this. He's saying, you Galatians have heard it said, but I say to you, I do not nullify the grace of God. Wait a second. Paul, what are you talking about? Who's nullifying the grace of God around here? What are you... Nullify, it means to make nothing of. To smash it into nothing. Paul said, wait a second, Paul. No one's nullifying anything, are they? For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Do you see what Paul just did? He just said, if you are preaching that through your own righteousness... You can add Jesus' righteousness to yourself and be saved. If that's what you are preaching, you are not a Christian. Because that means that Christ's death was worthless and there is no reason to carry His name. Alright. So in the process of preaching good news... Paul just laid a lot of law on us there in the last verse. Rather, he's trying to lift the law up off of us. He's trying to say, look, the weight of this law is always going to be crushing. And it's not just going to crush you into nothing. 
It's not going to be pushing you each and every day to be, you know, better, faster, smarter, stronger, whatever. And each and every day, you're just going to be like from growth to growth, change to change. I'm, I'm the best person. Paul say, no, it is going to crush you to death. And if you decide that that's the path you're going to choose, you have made Jesus' death worthless. And to the false teachers, he's saying, false teachers, you have made an entire group of churches in the region of Galatia, you have made Jesus worthless to them by preaching what you preach. But I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. But you and I know that Christ didn't die for no purpose. He actually died for you and for me. He gave Himself up for us because He loved us. He gave us His life because any hope for life that we have only leads to death. He gave us His righteousness because we had no righteousness of our own. Here's our big idea for today. Jesus loves you and gave Himself up for you. Going back to works of the law makes that a lie. It makes it a lie. But you? No. Jesus loves you. And He gave Himself up for you. He has gifted to you repentance and faith. And if you're asking me right now, wait, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. How can repentance be gifted to you? By hearing the Word of God preached to you. That's how God the Holy Spirit gifts it to you. So that as you and I are standing here right now, sitting here right now, God the Holy Spirit is working on you. And He's saying to you, hey, hey person, <laughs> He knows your name, okay? Hey person, where is it that you're resting in yourself? Where is it that you're relying on yourself? Where is it that you think you're doing one better than Jesus? Turn from that. Turn back to Christ. Your only hope. The only person that you can trust in for salvation. And in that same way, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, this is how faith is gifted to you to trust in Jesus alone for your salvation by hearing that word preached to you. That's what God the Holy Spirit does in us. And because we know that Jesus loves us and that He gave Himself for us, we also know that His death is not for nothing, but His death covers over our sin and unrighteousness. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.